Frances Hines. Is it terribly rude of me to ask your age, Frances? 94. I was happily married for 60 years and have been in this house 65 years and I wouldn't like to leave it because there's too many memories, too many memories. Now, I'm talking to you today because I got a tip-off, I have to admit. I was given a tip-off that you'd be a fascinating person to include in our stories about people from the Isle of Man who had some part in the war in some way, shape or form. But before we get to that, I want to know a little bit about you, Francis. So tell me a little bit about where you were born and where you grew up. Well, I was born uh, in Bruce, out at Lonnon. I had... Two brothers, one sister, and uh, we came to Groudle. We went to Onken School. What else? And actually, you being in Groudle going to Onken School was the feature of another documentary, I think, on the radio that Louise Quirk did yeah, with you. She yeah, talked to you about yeah, it, didn't she? Yeah. So, and the reason she talked to you about it was because it was a very interesting life you had down there. <laughs> well, I don't think, I don't know, really. My father fed the sea lions. And we used to go, uh, there was a train coming from Groudle uh, through the Glen into the sea lines and we used to hop along and have a ride on the train and uh, it was lovely. And what was life like for you? Because I'm assuming you didn't necessarily have the mod cons. We didn't have any electric and there was just water from a little spring in the uh, hedge. There was no mud cans. The toilet was right down about 50 yards from the road, a dry toilet. And then, of course, with the toilet paper was always the uh, news of the world or something. Best place for it, I think a lot of people would say, to be fair. (laughs) And you were saying to me that living that way... It sort of put something in your mind, didn't you, that maybe you might not want to live that way forever. And so you decided to embark on a bit of an adventure, didn't you? I, I did, yes. I decided, um, I'd seen the auxiliaries, the ATS girls, in on the promenade, and they were attached to a regiment that was um, guarding the prisoners of war on the promenade. And I had a school friend and she said, let's join the army because they're uh, calling them up in England. So we did that and we went and uh, tried to enlist, but uh, we had to have a, a medical first. So I went to Dr. Vernon in Woodburn Road and uh, had a medical and I passed. and. I asked my parents first, could I go? Because I was only 17 and uh, I joined. And then um, my friend said, my mother can't let me go. She won't let me go. So I had to go home on my my own. So uh, I was terrified. So however, I had a regimental route and a travel warrant and uh, I went down and got on the boat to Fleetwood. The boat went to Fleetwood. And then I got the train into Lancaster. 
and uh, there I was. Uh, I had to go to the quartermaster stores and get my uniform, have a parade and how to salute and how to march. The food was poor because I was terribly uh, uh, rationed. There was nothing. Much so what, what sort of thing did you get to eat? Like we call them dog biscuits or dog biscuits and then uh, jam and then the porridge. It was powdered milk on the porridge. It was really terrible. That's not good sustenance for someone who's going out to fight a war. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went on the uh, square, the barrack square, and marched and did all this. And then we had a selection test. And uh, the fellow said to me, what would you like to be? And I said, I think I'd like to be an orderly. I thought, well, I've no knowledge of anything else. So... Um, I had a selection test and there was a questionnaire to fill in. And later on that day, he said, you're going to London. And I was terrified. And he said, you're going to be a clerk. You're going to a college to be a clerk. So I went to, I was given a regimental route and went to London into Hampstead and uh, there we, I met a lot of girls that were going to college, so they took me there, really, on the underground. And uh, I was copy, uh, uh, touch typing, and I uh, was taught to shorthand. And uh, that was lovely. So I was six weeks there, and then the posting came, they said you were joining a, a regiment, artillery regiment. And I said, well, can I go to the Isle of Man? And they said, you're going to Edinburgh. <laughs> and uh, that was that. So uh, that was good. And were all of the duties that you did were, were mostly sort of secretarial, were they? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. I was in the heavy ack ack heavy artillery the 15A regiment and there was the 540 the 541 and the 548 batteries attached to them so how long were you actually in t in service for uh, four and a half years and you make it sound like it was actually rather jolly <laughs> well really it was i met friends lovely friends and uh, i had leave every three months they taught me things that i've never th would imagine and i think now boys and girls should go the especially the boys from about 16 to 18 for discipline and so what was sort of happening in the rest of the world at this time uh, air raids in London. I could hear the uh, doodlebugs going over in the uh, night and the bombing and uh, in the city and the undergrounds were packed with people sheltering and then you had to sit in your uh, uh, shelter until they all clear. I was terribly frightened and I thought I I would like to go home. <laughs>
but uh, I settled down. You've described to us a bit about what your life was like as a, as a child, and it was very sparse, wasn't it? And so to go from that to living in big cities must have been a really big thing well, for you. I, I couldn't cross the roads. When I got to Piccadilly, I thought to myself, how will I get cope, cope to the other side of the street? It was so busy, mm -hmm. but uh, I coped. So were there many other um, women from the island, young girls from the island, that joined the forces? i never seen any. I've never met any. Because there were, obviously there was quite a few men, weren't there, that, that went and, and families that were affected. Yeah, and uh, I was in a mixed battery. Those men there, but they were too old to go to the forces, <laughs> go overseas. <laughs> How did they react to the fact that there were women joining up? Oh, I think they liked it. <laughs> they liked it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was an experience I wouldn't have missed. So if you if you had the chance to do it again, you'd do it the same way, would you? <laughs> well, when I came home, uh, I thought to myself, why have I come home? <laughs> it was so good. Mm, company. And you've got, I, I love the fact that beside us here, there is a photo of you. Just describe this picture for us. Oh, that was taken in Newcastle, this picture. And uh, my cousin from um, Canada had joined the forces and he uh, came and we went to have photographs taken. I was about 20 there. Yeah, 20. And tell us about the uniform. Well, when we came into the quartermaster stores, when I joined up, you got a cap, a tunic, a skirt, two pairs of stockings, two, two pairs of white cotton uh, knickers, and then two silky knickers, like uh, rayon knickers, with elastic on the, on the knees. And you had a lanyard and a... Uh, two shirts and then you had to have a khaki collar, a tie, but I couldn't fasten it properly and I had to learn how to fasten the uh, uh, tie. And then we had a badge there and, and you had to have them all cleaned every morning when you got up. You had to clean your badge and uh, I think the badge is there somewhere, lovey. The hat badge. I've You've got still it. got it? Yeah, there's the uh, badge, oh. the ATS auxiliaries, and then the, you, you put the button through there and cleaned it. And you had to get up in the morning and uh, get your grey blankets folded and uh, exactly, and uh, everything was all laid up, and then a straw mattress and a straw pillow. Oh, straw. Yeah, it was prickly <laughs> and rough. <laughs> and there's some medals here as well, isn't there? Oh. Tell, tell, us about, tell us about these medals. Well, they, I got the service medal and then I had the defence medal. My daughter sent away from them for me. It was quite a surprise. Very nice. 
So what is one of the things or some of the things that you're most proud of from your time being in service? I'm proud of uh, having the um, gumption to join up and enjoy it. And I thought I was doing something by doing that. Yeah, playing my part. Mm. Do you know much about what your work was for and how it helped? No, I, I never knew what it would involve. And then uh, I had to have uh, do the codes, work it out. And in the mornings, the officer would come and do this, do that. Dobson, he never called you Francis or anything else. Dobson, do this and do that. Mm. And so the codes, because that must have been fascinating. What sort of thing did these things say when you were sort of breaking down the codes? What, what, what were some of the messages? They are all air raids, air raids. Mm. Yes. Because I suppose, you know, because you, you, I believe you left school at 14, yes. um, just heard that. And so the skills that you would have learned when you were in service then must have been very helpful to you when you got, when you sort of then started the employment world. Oh, yes. Yes, I gained a lot of knowledge and mixing with people because it was lonely where I came from. And uh, it was good that I was able to mix with everybody and do everything. I was the cashier in Wilkins for a long time, and that was something. And then uh, after a while, I did um, home caring for people, oh. elderly people, and uh, I got a job caring for a Reverend Dushar's uh, and he was a hundred. He lived to a hundred and three. There was about three of them all in the nineties. Imagine me now, <laughs> with ninety-four. Yeah. What is the secret to being as good and sprightly and healthy and with it as you are at ninety-four, then, Francis? Well, I think young. I'm not old, <laughs> and. Um, I look after myself well. I have good food and and uh, I'm happy because I've got a good daughter, one and only, and she looks after me and uh, I care for myself. I care for myself. I wash and uh, and do everything, cook. But Jill does my shopping and anything I'd like her to do, she does and she takes me out in the car. What do you think it is about your mum then that that keeps her so sprightly at this age? Um, The main thing is she's very positive. She always thinks good thoughts. Um, She works her brain. She spends a lot of the time of the day doing crosswords and competitions, exercising the brain. And she just generally thinks well and... um, does as much she just does so much for herself mm-hmm. i want a card from the queen <laughs> if she's alive <laughs> uh, and that'll be nice so did you have brothers and sisters yourself yes i had three uh, brothers but uh, the younger one was killed coming from school 
and the two boys, uh, older boys, one joined the, he's farming and he uh, joined the home guard and then uh, Jimmy, the oldest boy, he joined the army and uh, he was in the Coventry Blitz and he was discharged with ill health coming back. There you go. There's something I didn't know. I don't think he was injured, but uh, just like a nervous breakdown with it, he was mm. discharged. Because there must have been so many of the young men that were affected in that way because of what they saw. Blitz, the Coventry Blitz was terrible. So you, 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 all your family were actually sort of involved yeah. and affected. Mm. It just sheds a totally different light on it, doesn't it, Jill? The idea that now knowing what you know about your grandfather and hearing about, you know, the one son coming back from the Blitz and the the idea that his daughter went off the forces, how he must have felt. It just it adds a different perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, it must have brought everything back to him about his experience in the First World War and it must have been very mm. frightening for him. And his two brothers were actually killed in the First World War. They were blown up and... Um, their bodies never discovered and he he had this fear of war and it always surprised me that he allowed mum um, to actually go off to it. What um, do you know about his service, where he was posted? Yeah, um, he was in the Army's um, service corps and that was sort of providing um, equipment, driving horse and cart up to the front lines um, with supplies and he was based in Salonika and the um, war between the British and Bulgarians. And he caught malaria as a result of conditions there and was always quite ill after the war when he returned home. Mm. So it really surprises me that mm. Mum was allowed to, to go. And did you actually know your grandfather? No, no, he died before I was... He died quite young, so he died before I was born. Mm. But we have since got replica medals that he would have received, and we've also been able to buy replica hat badges for himself and also for the regiments that his brothers were in, which is just nice to have. So, Francis, what do you remember about what, what you... Because, you know, we're just learning that your father probably didn't say very much at all. Did you know anything, really, about his time taking part in the war? No, he never said anything about it, no. Yeah. And what sort of man was he? Because they do say quite often that the men that returned from the First World War were quite affected. Well, he was the, qu the quietest man I know or knew. He never associated with anyone. He never held a conversation with anyone. He was terribly quiet. And also, um, you, you used to say that when you'd have the radio on, he would be quite frightened when he would hear announcements on the radio. My brother went uh, out looking for rabbits when we lived uh, at Groudle. And uh, he came home and he said, I've seen a U-boat. And my father was crying and he said, oh dear, oh dear, the war will come. And then uh, Attlee come on the war to say the, we're at war. And uh, he cried and it was terrible. He said, oh my God, it's war. 
Yeah. So looking back on it now, knowing what you do know about the fact that he had that awful time with his family mm -hmm. as well, with his brothers too, does that sort of, does it now make sense as to why he was quiet? Probably, yes. So when you did go to, to your mum and dad and, and said that you wanted to be a part of this and join up and do your bit, so do you remember what your dad actually said to you? I said, can I go to the forces? And he said, what do you want in that for? And, uh, and then he said, ask your mother. So he just passed it over really to her so he didn't have to deal with he it. He didn't commit himself. Gosh, what a thing to find that out about your family, though, Jill. It must have been quite a shock. Yes, um, but it's been very interesting just to follow their history, really, and know what they really experienced. And the unfortunate thing is, because the wars were quite close together, you know, in the grand scheme of things, so many families must have experienced this at the time, wasn't they? When you did return, what, what did you end up doing with your life then? I got married first, uh, a boy from school, high school. More or less, my childhood sweetheart at school because I was 11 and he was 13 and we went out together and I thought, this is lovely. And then um, when I was 17, I asked, I said, I'm going to the forces, and he was upset about it, so I never. Um, when I went in March 42, when I was in Scotland, about six weeks after, my husband, my former husband, came and uh, looked me up in Inverness, and he was in Aberdeen. He joined the RAF police, so that was able to see him again. I was demobbed in 46 and came home, and then he came home in 1947. And as soon as I met him, I knew it was my husband. <laughs> and then we got married in 48. We have had Jill. And what, what was his war? What was his experience of wartime? Well, he was um, an, in the RAF police and later on he was sent to India. After a while, he went to Japan where the atom bomb had just fallen. Thanks. He, he did actually take quite a few photographs which we've got here of in Japan and I'm hoping to piece together. We have um, been able to get a copy of his war records mm. from the ministry and um, with the help of photographs we're trying to piece together where he'd actually been at different times. Um, just, um... And what did he tell you about his, his time out there? Because what a thing to see. Well, he said the whole ground was flattened and there was bo people, bones everywhere, skeletons, and there wasn't a blade of grass. Mm. It was so terrible. Did he ever tell you what he thought about the fact that they used the bomb? He never said. 
Yeah. All these things that people experience, and sometimes it takes a bit to tease it out of them, doesn't it? But looking at these photos, they're just wonderful. Mm. And some of them really quite graphic as well, aren't they? Yes. And luckily, he's well labelled on the backs of the photographs. There's particular days, dates and years and where they were taken. So I'm hoping to piece together a sort of a story, his, a story really. Mm. Mm. And did he talk to you much about it? No, not re no, not really. Never really talked about the wartime at all. Mm. And now that he's gone, I really wished I'd asked him more questions at the time. So that's why it's nice now to put together what we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially with Mum's um, memory of of her experiences. Okay. Uh, he's back here. Oh, that's. This is a picture of Sandy Gerard, his wedding picture, just after the war time. Oh. He's the man that's just had his 100th birthday, it lives in Ian Camel Court. Mm. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, he married a local uh, girl, she was in the Wrens, and he met her, he was from Scotland, he was really Scotch. It must have been an amazing experience. We've got pictures here in on, in the album of Dad actually um, riding a camel in <gasps> in India in Karachi. He's actually on a travelling by um, yeah by camel. And you, wow. when you think about it, the experience not just going to England, but actually going off to a foreign country yeah. that you've never seen before you've no experience he's probably never seen any foreign people heard a foreign language no. it's amazing what, what what an experience it yeah. would have been and what 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 we'd have to get used to we used to have um books he had to uh, learn some basic japanese and yeah. some basic indian languages oh. as well which wow. i think is amazing so mm. that he could manage in court <laughs> what an experience yeah, yeah. Only Dad took these, we wouldn't have any no. record. It was good that he how how was that. his family affected by the war? Do you know much about his side of things? Um, did he have um, any brothers or sisters that that might have gone off to war? Do you know Francis? Only had one brother, and he was in the March um, Merchant Navy. Oh. He was in the Dunkirk. Yeah, getting them uh, from there. Mm. Terrible. Mm. And it's one of those things that, you know, we recently were talking on the programme about how important it is to remember, and it is, isn't it? Yes, it, it's very important to, to remember and also to, I think, realise what they went through for everybody that was kept safe at home. And what do you think about the fact that your mum at 17 made that step and actually joined the forces? I think it's amazing because she'd lived a quiet life in countryside um, she'd never seen city life she didn't know what would be out there and I think it was really brave of her to go off there to do a bit for the war how does that make you feel hearing her say that proud very very <laughs> very very, very proud mm -hmm.